This is Teddy Stigma, the world's worst role model, reminding you kids to be like me. Eat steak, lift weights, and drink whiskey. And listen to the wrestling podcast that calls it right down the middle, The Whole Reffin Show. And now, the wrestling podcast that calls it right down the middle, The Whole Reffin Show. Ladies and gentlemen, hashtag dear listeners, welcome everyone to yet another fun-filled, informative, educational, and hopefully entertaining episode of the only wrestling podcast that calls it right down the middle. That would have to be the whole ref and show. I would have to be Perry Smith. And I would have to be Darren Beasley. Folks, welcome to episode 128 of uh, TWRS. The whole reference show, the only wrestling podcast, calls right down the middle. Uh, we got a lot of those headlines, ladies and gentlemen, and uh, Darren, you know that as well. You told me what the headlines were this week, so you're well aware of it. And I did. I was standing. You were walking by on your way to the Apple stand to get an apple on the way home, and I was standing on the corner, and I was like, extra, extra, read all about it. I got some headlines for the wrestling fans. <laughs> yes, that's exactly what happened. We actually have an injury to report. Uh, one Ruby Riot uh, undergoing some surgery. We're going to talk about that. We have an update for the Super Showdown, WWE's next Saudi Arabia uh, venture. Uh, we have uh, news on the new WWE title, the 24/7 title, and how absurd that is. Uh, speaking of absurd, <laughs> speaking of absurd, we're talking about the new third hour change to Raw. Uh, we what actually, does that even mean? Uh, we're going to find out what that means. Uh, we have an update. We actually have a bit more news on the uh, the recent death of Ashley Massaro, unfortunately. We have a bit more news, about uh, a bit more about the circumstances of that. Sean Spears, a.k.a. Ty Dillinger, we now know what his final destination will be. Not in life, that's uh, potentially depressing. Uh, <laughs> we know where his next wrestling opportunity is going to occur. We're going to talk a bit about AEW's Double or Nothing, because that show is rapidly approaching. And, of course, we have to review all the hits and misses, uh, mostly misses, uh, there's some hits, of Hashtag Mitba, a.k.a. Money in the Bank 2019. Darren and I went head-to-head head to head. with our predictions, and we did not do so well. But, good, bad, or ugly, we have to talk about them, right, Darren? Yes, or we could talk about the good, the bad, and the ugly. We could talk about the the movie, the Sergio Leone movie. Well, you know I'd love to do that because it's one of my three favorite films, Darren. Your three favorite films? Do tell. What are the other two? Oh, ladies and gentlemen, this is a wrestling podcast, Darren, and we don't typically stray off of that topic. But if you are interested, and I'm sure the hashtag your listeners are very interested uh, to know what my three favorite movies are, uh, as of now, as of recording this podcast, uh, number one is Ghostbusters, all right? Me and me and Rob Killjoy of the Ugly Ducklings have that in common, that's for sure. Uh, two is The Good, The Bad, and The Ugly. Uh, and uh, three is, uh, at this point, it's been a while, but I'd still say so, uh, Adaptation, still, starring Nicolas Cage and Nicolas Cage uh, and, Chris, <laughs> and Chris Cooper and Meryl Streep. Uh, Spike Jones movie, Charlie Kaufman written. You know how I feel about that movie, so those are my three. I do know how you feel about that movie. Um, 
you absolutely uh, uh, introduced that movie to me. I um, had been a big fan of being John Malkovich. Oh yeah. But at that time, but at that time, I had not necessarily followed the the career of of Kaufman. Uh, but you introduced adaptation to me. God, twenty years ago, almost. I don't, 18. don't say that. Oh, yeah, gross. Yeah. Something like. And uh, that is a very fine feature film. That is an excellent, excellent movie. That's a pretty, uh, pretty, pretty cool top three. Right, and three I movies think... that are in no way alike either. So that's very true. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Uh, a straight, a straight up '80s horror comedy. Um, a '70s spaghetti western, western opera, and, sure, and a uh, turn of the century. Meta film, uh, yeah, yeah, interesting. I'm full of variety, nice folks. Choice. Full of variety, except when I go to restaurants, I always get the same thing. But nonetheless, nonetheless. <laughs> but before we can talk more about my favorite three films and hashtag Mitba, we should probably talk about some of them headlines. Uh, hey Perry, um. I know we're on the other side of the the ding and all, but um, uh, remember um, what you said about how when somebody asks you uh, uh, a question, it's really because they want to to be asked the question. I um, <laughs> so anyway, in our headlines we have Ruby Riot, uh, Ruby Riot from the WWE Women's Division, all around uh, favorite of ours. Ruby Riot uh, out, was conspicuously absent lately, uh, right here in the midst of all of this wonderful WWE women's wrestling. Guys, a lot of W's. Um, All the women's uh, evolution and everything surrounding the WrestleMania main event, the, uh, the extra I's Ronda Rousey brought. And the extra W's that Darren just brought. Yeah, that's for damn sure. The uh, the ascent, the ascension of the man Becky Lynch, um, but not the ascension. <laughs> not the ascension of the ascension. Oh, uh, poor guys. Yeah, I know. Uh, I'm sorry. Continue. Even with all the extra effort to like do the face paint that makes it looks like his lips are sewed together, it's still not enough for Victor. Or Connor, whichever one he is. <laughs> Connor, Connor, maybe. Um, Ruby Riot though has been like absent. Uh, like, where's Ru- where's Ruby? Well, apparently she's been having shoulder surgery. Um, uh, I guess routine but uh, necessary surgery on her right shoulder that is now going to need to be duplicated on her left shoulder before she can return to the ring. So we're talking about two surgeries and an extended period of recuperation. And, uh, well, one, at least we know where she is, but two, that's a drag. Sure, absolutely. I mean, Ruby Riot. I think I've mentioned this on uh, our uh, mitzvah, hashtag mitzvah, head-to-head. Head-to-head. She was conspicuously absent from that ladies' Money in the Bank ladder match. I would much rather see her in the event. In fact, uh, there's no Riot Squad representation at all. There's no Sarah Logan. There's no Lib Morgan. Uh, so I wonder what that's all about. 
Uh, we know Liv Morgan uh, no longer in that group because she was split up from them. I don't know why they did that again. Another dumb call. But nonetheless, Ruby Riot taking some time off. Much deserved time off. They kind of used her a lot to push uh, Ronda Rousey uh, among, <laughs> amongst others. So it's uh, it's well deserved. And I, but I'm glad that she's getting taken care of and uh, again taking some some time off. Though I will miss her uh, in the ring, of course. Yeah, I really hope she comes back. She's she's the the the, the stylistic difference that I think would be really, really cool against someone like Lacey Evans or Charlotte in a in like a singles program. I think that would be really cool looking. Well it's kinda of funny because Becky Lynch mentioned that uh Charlotte and Lacey Evans look like the McMahon twins or whatever. Um and it's like uh all due respect to Becky Lynch, the man. Uh, you're way more cookie cutter than Ruby Riot is, sweetheart. Uh, so <laughs> don't don't even go there. Don't even go there. Um, so yeah, obviously, obviously I want to see Ruby Riot come back uh, very very soon, of course. Uh, but before we move on, though, Darren, what are your three favorite movies? Because I <laughs> once said, I should say, a wise man once said, people only ask questions of others because they would like the same question asked of themselves. Uh, Darren, what are your three favorite movies? <laughs> is, is that what you said? That's what a wise man um, said. I, I never said that I said that. But if you think I'm a wise man, well, then yes, I said that. Well, there there are there have been many wise men, but, you know... Um, At least three. You know, the thing about wise men is wise men say forgiveness <laughs> is divine. But... Um, Never pay full price for late pizza. Right, I've heard that before, which may or may not be a lead-in to your answer. Yeah, my favorite movie of all time is the 1990 film Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtles. Yes. Yes. Uh, please explain, elaborate as to why your favorite movie is Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtles. Keep it brief, Darren. Keep it brief. Because uh, it's some hashtag real-ass shit. Oh, okay. That was very brief, sure. I mean, it hashtag gritty urban realism. Um, that's what Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtles 1 is, even though you're not supposed to have a 1 on it. Uh, the <laughs> 1990, the, the New Line Cinema, Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtles, I mean, a badass movie. Sure. Like, uh, a really badass movie. A really badass movie. I don't know what else to say. Like, um, it's extraordinary. You okay? The true to the Eastman and Laird stories, also including Jim Henson, including good casting, excellent cinematography, um, a pretty killer script that didn't stray too far from the source material. What's not to like? If you like the Ninja Turtles, it has to be your favorite adaptation. Otherwise, you're an idiot. Wow, fair and just. It doesn't have to be your favorite movie or anything, but like you either like the Ninja Turtles and therefore that's your favorite adaptation or you don't like the Ninja Turtles. Sure, sure. Which when Turtles came out, when TMNT, rather, I'm not going to say that because there was a TMNT and that movie is trash. When Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtles came out, the movie in question, uh, it, be, it was the highest grossing uh, independent film of all time at that point, beating out another one of your favorites, Halloween. Right, which beat out another one of my favorites, The Texas Chainsaw Massacre. Yeah. Which, so, I mean, 
if I, if I do say so myself, I must have pretty good taste in independent films. Which Turtles was eventually beaten out by another one of your favorites, Pulp Fiction. No shit. There you go. Well, again, uh, I, well, talk about movies that don't have any. I guess Halloween and Texas Chainsaw Massacre are of the same ilk. But uh, beyond that, good for all those indie filmmakers. Good, good on them. Um, but yeah, that that's been my favorite movie uh, since 1990. Uh, I just I've never seen a film that meant more to me and has continued to mean just as much. And uh, boy, my top ten has been crazy over the last 30 years, uh, ins and outs. But my la- my top three um, have been pretty uh, concrete now for over a decade. Uh, joining Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtles. Uh, my second favorite movie of all time is The World According to Garp. Ah, Robin Williams, Glenn Close, yeah. John Lithgow. Yeah, uh, only Robin Williams' second movie ever. And uh, Glenn Close's first movie ever. Wow. Yeah, also Amanda Plummer's in that movie. And uh, uh, what a beautiful story that is. Uh, it's also my favorite book. The World According to Garp is my second favorite film and my favorite novel ever. So what rounds out the top three? Uh, Oliver Stone's JFK. Wow. Wow. Which I only saw for the first time ever recently, uh, but was very intrigued by and enjoyed it. Quite a bit of uh, character acting in that one. My goodness. (laughs) Yeah. Yeah. There is, uh, it's an ensemble cast to say the least. Sure, sure. The only time you see John Candy in like a non-comedy role, which is really strange, uh, even though he, he is still kind of, he is still kind of comedic because he's such an over-the-top southerner, but, uh, you know, he, he plays it well for someone from Canada, I will say. Yeah, and he's going to tap dance all over your head, Jimbo. Because <laughs> I think when actors go, oh, I'm Southern in this one, they all do like a John Wayne, which is very wrong. Um, much like if, if any American actor does British, they always do Dick Van Dyke from Mary Poppins, which is an impersonation <laughs> of an impersonation of a, uh, an English accent. So if, that, if you're an actor, you know, forget that impulse, guys. Don't do that. That's not what you want to go with. Um, so it is, a, it is a very nice uh, top three you have there. And again, three movies that have uh, not much in common. Not much in common. No, that, that's very true. It is that very is true. true. Only, I, only I can be found... Wa- what they have in common is that I can be found watching them on any given Saturday morning. Right, right, right. <laughs> any given Saturday, which is not about football. It's about Darren watching his top three favorite movies. Uh, and of course, with that, we say get well, Ruby Riot. Uh, <laughs> with that, with that, with that, we say we wish you well. Obviously, Ruby Riot, come back to us. And uh, in the meantime, uh, get well soon. Uh, we're absurd. But speaking of absurd, WWE is heading back to Saudi Arabia for yet another show. The Super Showdown, which is becoming quite a stacked card, I gotta say. But it's funny because, and they said this at Money in the Bank, Michael Cole said this. Uh, it's a show that that's that's bound to be bigger than WrestleMania. I, Should I, WWE I, aspire to that? Then what the fuck is WrestleMania if there is another show that's bigger than WrestleMania? I think that they are on thin ice making stupid statements like that. Absolutely. Because the it only goes one of two ways. 
that in a statement like that confuses and infuriates people like us <laughs> and it brainwashes the average fan sure you know like and i don't think either i don't you don't want either of those things like i think they think i think they think they want to brainwash the average fan but they don't really because the i mean the, the fan that they can easily brainwash can be easily brainwashed by someone else and stop watching WWE altogether. I think it's a terrible idea to market Super Showdown as some superior new WrestleMania. Like, isn't that weird? Like, is that a thing they're actually going to try and do? It makes sense to me when you have an event called Greatest Royal Rumble. Uh, and on that, you know, one of the updates for Super Showdown is that there is a 50-man Battle Royal, which is different from a Royal Rumble, folks. Battle Royals, all the men involved, or women, probably not in this case because it's Saudi Arabia, for this we'll say men, all the men involved are going to be in the ring at the start of the match. So that's going to be a lot of fun to watch until about 40 people get thrown out of the ring. Uh, <laughs> so. Now... Here's another thing. Uh, you led off this headline by mentioning that they were returning to Saudi Arabia. That's true, because that's where Jeddah is. Sure. However, if you listen to the uh, Money in the Bank pay-per-view, they didn't say Saudi Arabia. Oh, no, no. They only said Jeddah. And this is not Crown Jewel 2. They didn't say Saudi Arabia. They didn't say anything about the Saudi uh, royal family. It was just the super showdown. We're returning to uh, Jeddah and the wrestling <laughs> matches. You've got Goldberg and Hunter. it's like so they did not say it, but they boy did they not did they not say a lot. And what they did say was all about oh and wrestle holds and. Men and wrestling men. Sure, sure. Well, they may have been talking about uh, Jeddah, Nebraska. So it's very possible this show is going to be in Jeddah, Nebraska. Uh, that's not a real place, at least not to my knowledge it isn't. Uh, but I mean, we talk about this thing being compared to WrestleMania, and there are things happening that are very WrestleMania-worthy. Much, you know, uh, I'm talking about uh, Goldberg versus The Undertaker is happening at Super Showdown. The, ver the very... Okay, no one really wants to see this match, but we do understand that it's two names, you know, and this is the first time they've ever wrestled or whatever's going to happen at this event. Uh, <laughs> it's the first time they've ever locked up and fallen down. Uh, you know, whatever. <laughs> it's, I mean, we all know it's not going to be a good match. It's just the way it is. But for this to not happen at WrestleMania is such a crime against WWE it's such a crime against, I mean, I guess they're, they're perpetrating the crime, so I can't say that. It's a crime against WrestleMania. Um, but the fact that we're getting this reinforces the whole, you know, why haven't we gotten Taker and Sting yet? You know what I mean? That I would actually be excited for. This, I, I, there's no excitement for it whatsoever. Again, Sting and Taker, I still want to have it. I'm not going to harp on that. But, uh, again, what are your thoughts, Darren? Well, actually, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to hold off. Uh, this is still two weeks away and I know that we're gonna uh, we need to we need to get into our money in the bank discussion, and then we got double or nothing uh, coming up that we want to briefly talk about, and then we want to cover heavily in a review next week. So I think let's get into um, Super Showdown a little more later. But I guess my 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 immediate thoughts are: 
it's so weird to have a Goldberg match when we really thought that WrestleMania 33 was probably the very last time we would see Goldberg in a WWE ring. And then, I don't know, six months ago, there was a tiny little talk of him appearing in AEW or at least working for them like uh, backstage or something. And yet, nope, here he is in Saudi Arabia fighting The Undertaker. And it's like, who didn't fight at WrestleMania, who is apparently in better shape than he's been in in 10 years. And so is Goldberg. And nothing is on the line. Nothing. Not even like, like here, maybe, maybe, especially with them not having been at WrestleMania, maybe here is where you have like your, uh, your world cup tournament and then have Goldberg or the undertaker, like win that, like have that be the final of your tournament. This is just weird. Like if I can't, if I don't immediately come forward with it, try and help me remember in a couple of weeks when we review super showdown, <laughs> how, how I feel afterward. Am I still happy? Cause so far I've reported that after these shows, I'm very happy with them that I'm always a little hesitant at first, but then I end up being really pleased by them. Let's make a point to see how, just how we feel, not what we think about the matches, not what the overall opinion about the show is, but like, how do we feel? How does super showdown make us feel? Let's be sure to revisit that. Sure, I'm, I'm sure we'll talk all about Super Showdown uh, going into it, and of course after it when we review it. But the, I mean, the only reason we really wanted to mention it this week was because of all the talk of of the no shows, the people who are opting out. Daniel Bryan, surprising no one, opts out again, despite the fact that he is just like last time a major part of storylines, and I'm sure they would love to have him there because he is an international star. Sami Zayn also will not be participating again. Uh, but this time, apparently both booked, both had to opt out, affirmatively opt out. Kevin Owens and Aleister Black saying they will not go to Saudi Arabia and wrestle at the show. And I'm guessing at this point, WWE is sort of, uh, because of the controversial nature, nature of the entire thing, I think WWE is actually allowing these people to make these very, very personal and unilateral decisions. So you say allowing, by that you mean they get to keep their job, but I'm sure they get a slap on the wrist in some form or fashion. They might lose a couple matches on Raw and SmackDown because of it. One of the big surprises to me, there's an intercontinental title match at Super Showdown, Finn Balor defending his title against uh, Andrade Almas, which, by the way, that would be an awesome match. I'm looking forward to that match. At the same time, Finn Balor uh, is someone who would not be typically welcome in uh, Saudi Arabia. You know, he is, uh, he is homosexual, uh, which, I mean, that kind of came out maybe a year ago? That long ago, maybe? In WWE, they kind of like, you know, let him show that out a bit more. I do wonder if they know that. If they're aware of that. And of all the people to opt out, you think Finn Balor would be one of the first ones to do so. Sure. Well, I still don't know what the WWE's official position is on that. Uh, I know it was, yeah, it was over a year ago now because it was the lead up to WrestleMania 34 uh, in New Orleans. And now here we are on the back end of WrestleMania 35 in New York, New Jersey. But it was in that lead up to WrestleMania 34 that uh, they started promoting that Balor Club was for everyone 
And then actually in New Orleans, he debuted Rainbow Colored Gear. And what had only been rumored at way out on the fringe about Finn Balor seemed to be being publicly acknowledged. And it was, and it wasn't. Um, there was no official coming out. Um, I mean, and why, why should there be? I mean, it, you know, it's, it's his own business. So however he wishes to present whatever news about himself should be his own decision. Um, just because you are uh, uh, an out-of-the-closet homosexual does not demand uh, that you, you know, put it on a stage. Sure, sure. I, I think... It doesn't, uh, it doesn't demand anything. Just, I mean, you know, just making other comparisons, like the New York Jets are your favorite football team. Or, you know, if you prefer boxers to briefs, or you like sweet tea, or you voted Democrat... That's fine if you want to be open about it, but being open and being outspoken are two different things. Sure, it's uh, it's a character trait, not necessarily a gimmick. Uh, right. right, 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 right. If if your if your sexuality is the most interesting thing about you, you're not a very interesting person, are you? Uh, so that's my take on the whole thing. I'm more I'm I'm more along the lines of thinking that WWE thinks if. If, if the universe knows that, WWE universe that is, knows that Finn Balor is gay, they might lose some women viewers who want to watch Finn Balor and his 3% body fat, you know, body and, and wrestling trunks every week on Raw. I guess that kind of makes sense, you know. Uh, but beyond that, uh, yeah, obviously. But again, we're, we're kind of getting off topic here. Uh, the, the, the mere fact that Finn Balor is going to Saudi Arabia... Uh, and defending his title, I, I wonder what that whole conversation was. You know what I mean? But we'll, we'll probably never know. Probably we will never know. Um, I, but we did get a reveal. We did get to know some of the secrets uh, that were hinted at at Money in the Bank with uh, when they uh, alerted us all that Mick Foley, of all people, would be turning to Raw um, the following night after Money in the Bank, and he had some announcements. Well, his announcements were both pretty weird. The first <laughs> one was weird. They were pretty weird. Not interesting, not cool, not awesome. Uh, pretty weird. Pretty weird. They were. I don't know any other way to say it. He, I mean, I would have been, I would have bet good money that the big gold belt was the reveal of this quote-unquote new belt and that they were doing away with the fruit roll-up belt and replacing it with, you know, the big gold belt. And I thought, how wonderful. Uh, but now, of course, in retrospect, uh, hindsight being 2020, it makes perfect sense that Mick Foley was the one to do what he was doing because he was introducing a 24-7 title. Well... In the WWE, anyway, that only existed once before, and those—that was the like overarching stipulation regarding the hardcore title after a certain uh, time had passed. Yeah, ask your buddy Raven about that one, Darren. Yeah, yeah twenty-seven time uh, hardcore champion. Yeah, what is he? What is he? Randy Orton, John Cena. Yeah. So. <laughs> um, this 24-7 belt, I guess, harkens back to that idea, only it's not a hardcore title. Um, it is its own new belt, and it is ugly. <laughs> I mean, hey, right now when we are in, like, I, 
I, I am not a decided and devoted contrarian because right now where we are embroiled in people that were uh, thrilled with Endgame while I was less than thrilled and people are furious about the end of Game of Thrones and I am very happy with it. I'm four, so epi I'm four episodes in, folks. I've got two to go. Hope by the time this hits the airwaves, I will be totally caught up. Yes. <laughs> uh so it may seem as though I'm contrary. I'm hey, I am right. Uh, I'm I am right on board with everybody who hates this twenty four seven belt. So not contrarian, not at all. Especially when it comes to this belt, it looks like a weird um, a sign for like a like a twenty four hour diner. Um, like it's the centerpiece on the door of like a. Um, like an old train car that they've turned into like a silver dollar diner. It does say eat at Joe's on the title belt. Uh, well, I mean, it's it's bad enough when a title can change hands on a kickoff show, which people aren't really watching unless you're like a diehard fan. Uh, but <laughs> so, the, I mean, but basically they wanted to make a belt that people could lose via social media videos, right? Because that, that's what this is, right, Darren? It, it's going to be a title that, pe that will change hands on like Facebook live or like instagram or twitter so you're gonna you're gonna want to keep you're gonna want to follow wwe any way you can so you don't miss a a title change hands a 24 7 belt this is stupid this is really stupid i understand they have to make a lot of changes and, and shake things up if they want to kind of get some of the people back uh but this is not how you do it and the other announcement mcfoley made was also not how you do it it makes even less sense uh, he made the announcement that the third hour of Raw going forward would be darker, grittier, and altogether meaner. Um, and I guess by darker, they meant literally. They they basically turned out the lights, that the red lights that are normally on the crowd during Raw, and kept the arena kind of dark with spotlights on the ring. Okay. So... That's their idea of making it look like NXT because whether they like it or not, they are hearing us when we say that NXT is the innovator now. NXT is the sexier product. NXT is the uh, more magnetic product. And uh, so is that what they're trying to do? But at the same time, I guess they're saying it is from the 10 to 11 o'clock hour historically raw did get a little grittier especially during the 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 attitude era and do they dare to even approach uh a level where they're presenting a product like that anymore uh well to me it seems kind of like okay so raw's three hours long right the first two hours is nickelodeon the third hour though is nick at night <laughs> <laughs> Ugh, right. that's... I mean, that's what it kind of seems like, right? I mean, I guess it's like, oh, it's later. You better put the kitties to bed because, ooh, we're, we're WWE up all night. Uh, yeah, I mean, short of having Sable come out in a bikini every third hour of Raw, and, you know, I guess people are going to say ass now in the third hour. That's just so dumb, and it makes wrestling look even more planned when it's like, oh, really? We'll save the dark things for the third hour. You know what I mean? It, it's it's so stupid. It, it's really, really well, dumb. Yeah, it, it goes back to like 
the the Vince McMahon get it speech from the attitude that kicked started the attitude era, like where he said, "We know that you're frankly tired of having your intelligence insulted." Sure. Like I remember in 1997 or 98, whenever that commercial aired, I was like, "Hell yeah, yeah, I love it." But now I'm like, God, it's just as contrived, if not more, right. than anything else. Vince McMahon is just an ass kiss. Oh, sure, sure. He's a he's a he's a company man. He's a corporate man. I mean, he's he's gonna he's a, he's a, a, a sideshow barker. He, he's all these things. He's a charlatan. You know what I mean? But he's a charlatan with a, a multi billion dollar company. You know, so that's just the way unless it is. You put, unless you put Bob Costas across from him. And then, woo, like Sid Whopper, who should be in the WWE Hall of Fame, would say, then you get to see Vince McMahon's true colors (laughs) shining through. I was hoping you were going for that. Uh, Yeah. (laughs) Well, I mean, here's here's the thing. I mean, they're they're seeing the ratings plummet, right, for, I mean, for SmackDown, obviously, but even for Raw, the show's not putting the numbers up that it used to. You know why, though, Darren? Because not a lot happens on Raw and SmackDown, and even the really interesting stuff, the highlights, you can see it on Facebook right after Raw is over. Or like seconds after it happens, it's already on Facebook. So why spend five hours watching wrestling when you can spend five minutes just watching all the highlights immediately following, or rather during, as the show is going on? People are looking at Facebook while they're watching Raw anyway. They figured out, well, I can just wait until the highlight pops up and watch it then. Why tune in when I get all the highlights? So there's not a lot you can do to combat that. But if if Endgame taught, and Game of Thrones is teaching me, taught them anything, it's the only way to make sure people watch things in a timely manner, a.k.a. your opening weekend for your opening box office, is, is to make sure people know that they better go before someone spoils what happened. All right? So you're going to have to make Raw interesting. You're going to have to make things happen again. And a 24-7 title belt is not how you do that. No. No, nor is it what you said. A third hour, which we're already telling you, is going to be something different. Then it ceases to be different because now you're you're already front-loading the desired reception from us which means you're not going to get it absolutely we're not going to give it to you genuinely and and, and x won't give it to you either and <laughs> and that goes back to what we said long ago darren i mean i don't know if we had the conversation on the air i think we may have it's been a while since we kind of figured this out this is when goldberg first came back to wwe like you know two years ago at this point um they were talking about oh goldberg's gonna be here next week there are no surprises anymore don't advertise it have it happen without any announcement, and that way people go, oh no, I miss Goldberg coming back. I better not miss a single week of Raw, or I'm gonna miss something. Stop yes. advertising surprises. Let us be surprised. Exactly. Exactly. So, uh, But I will say, um, and we're gonna talk about AEW here in a little bit, with AEW trending um toward like all, all all signs are pointing to them having a TV 14 rating or at least flirting with one that means their entire product um and as it stands it looks like it will be airing on Tuesday nights now does that mean that it's going head to head to with Smackdown live or will Fox be moving Smackdown live to Fridays and now uh the the new AEW show will not go 
against either Raw or SmackDown, at least not yet. Um, I don't know, but I'll tell you one thing. As I continue to make my way through Guy Evans's The Incredible Rise and Inevitable Collapse of Ted Turner's WCW, the book, uh, a.k.a. Nitro, um, boy, uh, that book really is about ad sales. Just as a fan of wrestling, just as a fan, a teenage fan of pro wrestling, I learned more about television production than anybody ever should. Uh, because <laughs> thanks to thanks to people like Eric Bischoff and Vince McMahon. And now here we are 20 years later, thanks to people like Guy Evans and all the people that he interviewed for this book, exhaustively and exhaustingly, uh, he has done that. I continue to learn more and more and more about ad sales. And uh, when I finish this book, I, I want us to have a, a, a full-blown segment about this book because as I was approaching 50% of the book being completed, I found myself thinking, I know almost all of these stories. This isn't a lot of news. And then somewhere right around the middle of the book, I began to realize here is some real real telling nuts and bolts stuff of AOL Time Warner merger that paints the rest of that picture that they've always said. It had nothing to do with Bischoff. It had nothing to do with McMahon. It had nothing to do with Kevin Sullivan or Nash booking or Hogan's creative control. It had everything to do with the AOL Time Warner merger uh, with, with, uh, with all things Turner and uh, we're going to talk about that. I, I really want us to talk about that because more than ever, I realize if Turner had not always hated WCW, WCW would still be around. So that's very interesting. But Raw is doing the same thing that Nitro did. Um, I don't think that it'll go the way of the Dodo, but it will certainly continue to lose ratings. But as you've said, what are those ratings anymore? Does anybody really care about the quarter hour ratings when you're still getting your ad sales quota met, plus you're selling even more ads on Facebook and Instagram and Hulu and all the other outlets that are carrying the product? So are you losing money or are you probably actually making more money? Sure. I mean, WWE could put all of itself, Raw and SmackDown, on the network and sustain itself through house show sales, pay-per-view sales, you know, more or less network sales, ultimately. Uh, merch sales, you know, yada, 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 what have you. Uh, but obviously they make more money by being on actual networks. Uh, so, but uh, please make better decisions is all I'm going to say. <laughs> <laughs> I'm with you, I'm with you. Sure. Uh, with that, we actually have an update from uh, last week's story about uh, the unfortunate passing of Ashley Massaro, former WWE Divas champion, uh, also uh, contested on the game show Survivor, uh, known for uh, known quite a bit, uh, wrestling in the uh, the mid two thousands. Is that correct, Aaron? Absolutely. Um, I. It seems like she, this is one of those one of those people that no one has anything bad to say about. Uh, one of those people that you, you hear the expression "they never met a stranger," um, because from the perennial good guy Mick Foley to the uh, perennial twat. CM Punk, everybody has come out with like very, very kind, heartfelt uh, words 
of, of both uh, compassion, grief, and loss at the death of Ashley Massaro, uh, wishing uh, you know her to rest well. And uh, you know the the nature of these condolences have has changed uh, for the more grim and the more uh, sad over uh, the last week since we we last uh, recorded. Uh, as her passing, which originally um, was stated simply as not including foul play, but was basically left at that, has since been released as a uh, suicide. That apparently Ashley Massaro uh, died from hanging, uh, and this was a deliberate suicide on her part in which she hanged herself. Um, this is awful. Uh, apparently it is... Uh, more than is being more than a little uh, attributed to a uh, well-known existing uh, condition of depression from which Ashley Massaro suffered. Um, and so again, we want to, to give our best wishes uh, to Ashley Massaro and the daughter that she leaves behind and all of her loved ones, friends, and family. I will say that apparently WWE has uh, already been a target of her attorney uh, just in the past few days uh, as a story that goes back to 2007 where there was an alleged rape uh, during a WWE tour of Kuwait. And uh, there's a whole lot of um, arguing online already and apparently in the, in the courtroom as well just over the past few days uh, between Ashley Massaro's attorney as well as WWE's attorneys, uh, stating that Vince McMahon and others actually told Ashley Massaro to cover up uh, and stay quiet about this alleged incident that happened in Kuwait, uh, perpetrated by a U.S. military doctor. Wow. Uh, yeah. Now, of course, WWE is outright denying it 100%. Sure. Um, that it happened, that it co was covered up, uh, the the whole the whole nine yards. But um, just one more rather upsetting piece to this Ashley Massaro story, and uh, uh, until we know more, we'll we'll leave it at that. But uh, again, it just it's all really, really, really such an unfortunate bummer. And like the more nastiness that surrounds it, the more sad it really becomes. Absolutely. I mean, they're they're that that's all horrible. And sadly, you know, Vince McMahon, you know, and I, it, it's unfair for me to come like to say something like, you know, oh, I believe it. You know what I mean? But I'm kind of at that point when it comes to Vince McMahon, you, you hear enough horror stories like that, you know, um, and that's, that's horribly sad. And, and if, if she suffered that, that, that's, that's the worst shit in the world. Right. I mean, uh, yeah, there are no words. So. Uh, so, I mean, again, we, we don't, we don't know. We don't, we weren't there. We don't know. We can't speculate. It's not right to speculate, but, uh, any suffering Ashton Massaro had, you know, in the very least her suffering is now over. So uh, again, rest in peace and best to the friends and family. Uh, we got to move on because that's, that's bumming me out. Um, it's hard to move on from that, but, uh, Sean Spears, a little bit of good news. Sean Spears, AKA Ty Dillinger, the perfect 10, uh, now has a new place to wrestle. Uh, and, and if he's lucky, he didn't do a whole lot of that wrestling stuff while he was on <laughs> WWE programming. Uh, so Ty Dillinger is now AEW bound. He's actually heading to Double or Nothing. 
That's right. Uh, with a promo that hit social media, uh, as it really is the only way that AEW can really advertise at this point, Sean Spears made it very clear that he was the man for this new uh, 21-man casino battle royale, which will be happening um, on Saturday at Double or Nothing. And, uh, you know, the 21-man casino battle royale, obviously, um, if it is battle royal style, they'll all be in the ring. But if they come out Royal Rumble style, even if he's Sean Spears, he has to come out 10th, right? Oh, sure. Another little, like, poke. You're, you're poking the bear a little bit. That is Vince McMahon with that little, that little nod, sure. So while we're at it, um, we're not going to do a head-to-head for Double or Nothing, but let's take a quick look at the card uh, so we'll know what we're going to talk about next week when we review the show. There's the 21-man Casino Battle Royale, and some of the people that are announced for that include Sonny Kiss, uh, Brandon Cutler, Ace Romero, Glacier... Which is enough to make me not want to watch the show. And I, and I, I might not. I might not. Oh, wow. Brian, Brian Pillman Jr., MJF, Joey Janela, Jimmy Havoc, Jungle Boy, Luchasaurus, uh, and Sean Spears. And uh, that leaves about five or six people I didn't name, as well as about four or five uh, to-be-announced slots. So that sounds fun. Like that sounds like a really cool match. Man, to be announced slots. It could be Kenny Omega. It could be Raven at his prime. It could be Sting at his prime. Oh god! I, I, I threw in Sting at his prime. I threw I threw in Sting at his prime. Or it could be Billy Sting. I don't know. Oh, oh, well, more on him later on, folks. Um, we're going to see Chris Jericho versus Kenny Omega in a singles match, and the winner of that uh, will face the Casino Battle Royale winner. Or a future AEW World Championship match. So that's a lot of stakes. That's not well thought out, right? <laughs> well, I just think it means that Kenny Omega will beat Chris Jericho. The real question is, who is he going to fight? Who out of that bunch will Kenny Omega fight for the AEW World Championship. Now, that's just bad booking, especially if you say it out loud, Darren. You're going you're gonna to defeat 20, 20 other men for a chance? For a chance. For a chance. <laughs> I know your favorite you is fighting to... for a chance for a chance. No, no, this is a chance for a chance for a chance, Darren. This is, you have to win a 21-man battle royal and then defeat either Kenny Omega or Chris Jericho, and then you get to fight for the title. God damn, you can put the, the fucking ringer, aren't you? That's bad booking. Well, God bless your AEW. That's bad fucking booking, and you know it. Um, as far as other, but I can't wait to watch it, Darren. <laughs> what a scoop! Oh no, 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 no! I just no. Hold on, no. I mean that's fair, but apparently the world championship will be decided that night. Oh. The winner of Jericho and Omega fights the winner of the Battle Royale for the AEW World Championship. Well, then, Darren, that, that, that's a conflict of interest because you know what that is. Double dipping. Yeah. Fill my screen with that double dipping. Ooh, um, when it gets through to me. All right. 
we are going to get to see friend of the show Chuck Taylor. Hey, Chucky uh, T. Uh, Chucky T with Trent Beretta or Trent question mark or whatever they whatever inside joke I don't get. Uh, <laughs> regarding uh, t- uh, the team of best friends, they will be competing. Um, the Young Bucks take on the Lucha Bros, and that's awesome. Sure. Uh, actually, for the AAA World Tag Team Championship, that's my favorite part about AEW so far, and we'll see if they stick to it, which is belts from other companies kind of coming in and out. They have their own belts, or we're, we're going to see that they have their own belts, at least a world title. But then you have these other belts kind of floating in. Um, you know how, I mean, I love that. That's an interesting choice and a little bit of a contradiction considering they won't release their top talent uh, to other uh, companies. But sure, sure, that, 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 that suits them very well. Man, we're talking about AEW and all of a sudden I'm finding all the holes in it instantly. Well, okay, it only took three minutes for you to dismantle AEW's business plan. But apparently these long-term booking plans have caused the problem where Pac, a.k.a. Neville has now parted ways with the company over the long-term direction for his character following uh, his scheduled match against Hangman Adam Page here at Double or Nothing. Now that leaves Page without an opponent. Wow, that's that's got to be someone leaving a company because they were unhappy in record timing considering he left the company before the company's first show. <laughs> that's such a ridiculous idea that when I first heard it, I said, that's bullshit. Because there's no way that would happen. Oh, yep, it happened. Oh, my God. But, yeah, there's the unknown of what happens with with Adam Page here. I know that uh, Tama Tonga said we've got unfinished Bullet Club business, so we're coming. Um, Joey Ryan also said I I, I need to get uh, Hangman Page back in the ring. Um, So they're definitely, whether any of that happens, at least the the rumor mill – uh, is sort of um, making a, a negative into a positive. And, uh, and uh, we will also see Cody versus Dustin uh, Rhodes in a brother versus brother match uh, that we thought we would never see in this venue, in this arena, in this company at this time. I think this has a chance to be a damn good match. Sure, if uh, old Dustin Runnels, a.k.a. Dustin Rhodes, a.k.a. Goldust, taught us anything, it's that uh, he can still go. He can absolutely still go, even at his age. Uh, it, it'd be cool just to see him in, in regular old ring attire, but I think he's going to be a painted face guy, and it's like, uh, I don't like that at all. I, I would love to, I mean, I would, again, love to see the Dustin Rhodes we saw, or saw pictures of, you know, at uh, Starcade doing big quotations here with my fingers, that glorified house show they called Starcade that even bother putting on the fucking network. Oh, my God. I'm angry tonight, Darren. I don't know what it is. I don't know, man. I haven't eaten. I haven't eaten dinner. I'm angry. <laughs> You're hangry, I think. I uh, don't ever say that again to me. I, I think that's what the Snickers marketing team would like you to say. Oh, well, I don't know much about Snickers being a uh, being any kind of advertiser for this show i don't need a snickers darren when i can reach for a nice cool glass of schweppes another schweppes moment brought to you by schweppes schweppes a sparkling tradition since 1783 
Yum to my tum. I love a very refreshing, uh, revitalizing, uh, and re reinvigorating uh, beverage like Schweppes ginger ale. Yes, indeed. But double or nothing, uh, it is upon us, and I am really, really excited about it. It's the first proper all elite wrestling show. It's their first true pay per view. Um, you, you can count all in if you want, but that was a, that really was truly a different a different creature. It was the precursor to AEW, but um, this is the real thing. Um, it's kind of weird, uh, double or nothing being the title, but yet it being the first. But it's not really the first because you know it's sort of like uh, it's sort of like first blood. I knew you were gonna say that. Yes, it's exactly like that. Yes. And Rambo First Blood Part 2, and then Rambo 3! It's, it's, it's just like uh, all the movies are called Friday the 13th, but everyone always referred to them as Jason movies, so they went, fuck it, Jason 10, Jason X, fine, fuck it. It's, <laughs> it's, called, that, it's called That Jason, sure. Yeah, really. It's called That, <laughs> it's called that Jason. Just like, you know, we, we forget that it, the movies are called Child's Play, uh, and not Chucky. Eventually, it was like, fine, just Chucky. Chucky does this. Chucky goes to Hollywood. Chucky goes to camp. These are Ernest movies, by the way. <laughs> we never, we never saw Chucky versus Ernest, and I will always be let down by that. Uh, you know, what my favorite, my, my favorite Ernest movie was Ernest goes to jail. Oh uh, no, the, no, 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 the... Ernest scared stupid. Uh, the importance of being Ernest. Yes. Yes! <laughs> Why wasn't that ever made? Why wasn't that ever made? <laughs> uh, and Jim Varney, we trust. R.I.P. Jim Varney. R.I.P. Sure. <laughs> yeah. Tyler Perry. Tyler Perry's making a fortune off your idea of playing a silly character. Only his movies make a lot more money than yours ever did. Aww. Well, speaking of money, Darren... For WWE, oh. it's as good as Money and the Bank. Hashtag mitzvah. Our bar mitzvah. <laughs> That's a bar mitzvah joke. Uh, Darren, yep. you and I had our uh, predictions, our thoughts going into Money in the Bank. Let's see how right or very wrong we were. It's our Money in the Bank head-to-head. Head-to-head. Hashtag dear listeners. We are the Coda, and you are listening to the only wrestling podcast that calls it right down the middle, The Ruffin Show! Sunday, the 19th of May, 2019, from the Extra Large Center in Hartford, Connecticut. <laughs> Already comedic, Darren. Well done. <laughs> Hey, coming out of the womb, I was like, hello, my baby. Hello, my darling. <laughs> oh, boy. The Extra Large Center and the WWE brought us Money in the Bank 2019. Hashtag Mitaba. And, of course, uh, let's. Do, that's when you say, my bar Mitaba. <laughs> a joke that was established about a minute ago. Yes. One minute ago. Real time, one minute ago. Sure. As far as their hashtag new listeners are concerned, yes. Yeah. Movie magic. <laughs> I don't know why. Dear listeners, you don't know why I just said that. 
We got 11 matches. We discussed them last week. We went head-to-head. Head-to-head. And we made our picks. And yikes. I'm going to go ahead and tell you, yikes. Hashtag yikes. Yikes. Stripes. Fruit stripe gum, Darren. The fastest flavor-losing gum there ever was. (laughs) That's accurate. That is accurate. You can go through a pack of fruit stripes gum in 20 seconds. Oh, sure, sure. It is the the tastiest, fruitiest, juiciest gum you will ever have for three minutes, and then you are you are chewing on a piece of of putty. It's done. Yeah. You're done. Here's my you question. Gotta put flavor in the gum, not just on the gum. Sure, sure, exactly. Here's my question, dear. Are you ready for this? Dun Okay. I don't want to blow your mind. I don't want to blow our hashtag dear listeners' minds, or do I? Now, you do. now, on a pack of gum, let's say, oh, I got a pack of gum right here. I got a pack of extra in my hand. Darren, confirm that for our listeners. He does have a pack of the gum called extra, and he's not talking about what teenage girls call everything. <laughs> I don't get that. But she is uh, Perry. She is so extra. Oh my god. Oh lord. I don't know what that is. I don't. I don't envy you. Being a... The game. The Game of Thrones finale was so extra. I don't know. Is that a good thing? I don't know. Okay. Fair <laughs> enough. Fair enough. So I got a pack of extra here, and it says serving size one stick, one piece of gum. Makes sense, right? But it says no. it says for that serving size five calories, Darren. Does that mean that if I chew this? And get all the flavor off of it and eventually spit it out. That's five calories. Or does that mean I have to swallow this for the five calories? That's a good question. This is the only food that you don't eat completely. You only taste it and don't actually consume it. Well, unless you're you're bulimic. Unless you're, well, we're not going there. But the question stands, is it five calories... If I it's chew okay. it, you can still make bulimia jokes. Is it five calories if I chew it, or five calories if I swallow it? If it's more than five calories, shouldn't it say on here how much it is if you actually swallow the gum? It should, but then I think that would encourage people to swallow it. Well, I think you should always be encouraged to swallow. <laughs> That's weird. Uh, I can't. I can't say that. But well, okay. Well, here's this. Uh, from a philosophical standpoint, I understand. That's a very good question. Thank you. Uh, whether to spit or swallow. Um, but <laughs> I, I, I think the reality is um, you burn so many calories chewing gum that 5 or 10 or even like 50, you're going to burn just by chewing it. And so like... It's really by chewing gum, you're going to take in negative calories or, or tip, like technically it sh- maybe actually they should factor that in. Sure. Sure. Kind of like they, they say, should, they should ask that, um, they should ask that, uh, Tootsie Roll Pop Owl, how many <laughs> it takes to get five calories of gum and then subtract it. And then on the back of the pack of gum, it should actually say like, Negative 40 calories. Right, Darren, that owl is long dead. The Tootsie Pop owl. <laughs> what? No, no, no. 
I don't I don't want to I don't want to say that. No, but you're you're along the lines of people say like broccoli, like it takes more to like chew, not not chew, actually burn. I think it, it takes more calories to burn the broccoli when it's in your system than you actually take on by consuming it. But I I, I see what you're saying. Does does that mean does that mean if I if I masticate a uh, a double baconator if if I chew it maybe uh, seven hundred times <laughs> I can burn off most of the double baconator before it actually reaches my tum 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 um that is something that i want to try but i'm just gonna say as long as you're still living with a roommate please lock your door if you're gonna masticate 700 times oh man darren this conversation may be the most important conversation we ever had on the whole wrestling <laughs> show the only wrestling <laughs> podcast that calls it right down the middle. Folks, hashtag Mitbo was this past weekend. And there were many surprises. Some uh, some better than others. Uh, but some definitely very surprising. Darren, would you agree with that? Um, I, I would agree. As a matter of fact, the fact that I made more incorrect picks than correct picks means that I was surprised more than I was not surprised. Sure, and again, for those who maybe didn't catch the last episode, well, first of all, shame on you. Uh, we're gonna follow you down the down the, the the corridors of a town when you're stripped naked, and we're gonna shake a bell behind you and say shame repeatedly. That's a Game of Thrones reference. Um, I, I was about to say, do you know that that was not Lena Headey? Oh no, I know that. I know that. Yeah, uh, I remember watching that scene. And thinking, man, what a bold actress she is! And all you know, more power to her. She has all the all the guts to do that scene. It was not her. It was a stunt double who quote had a lot of fun filming that. So I immediately just lost all my emotion when it came to to seeing that scene. But anyway, um, so if you hadn't watched the last episode, you might not know Darren very current on the product. I had not watched wrestling for a couple weeks going into Money in the Bank. And I just wanted to say it for the record, Darren and I both tied when it comes to our head-to-head. Head-to-head. Which means it doesn't matter if you watch it or not, folks. <laughs> well, also, hashtag spoiler alert. Um, Harry already told you that we tied on the head-to-head. Head-to-head. There you go. Well, yeah, I want to go ahead and just put that out there. But it uh, wasn't a good showing for us. But was it a good showing for WWE, Darren? Let's get into it. Turns out there was only one match that ended up on the pre-show, despite the fact that they actually advertised to. Um, and they, they, they luckily, they took a world title match off of the pre-show. But they did have a world champion, former world champion, Daniel Bryan, on the pre-show. And, of course, that was Daniel Bryan and Eric Rowan, who, and, and of course, watching the show, I saw some corrections to what, uh, we we talked about on the uh, on the previous show on the uh, on the head to head head to head and then, and that Brian and Rowan are the champions but it was a, in fact a non title match the Brian and Rowan the SmackDown Live tag team champions took on the Usos and the Usos won which I don't understand and of course they don't get the belts by virtue of that win because it's a non title match I was just like what I what well, um, I'm afraid for this one, Darren. We're going to have to strip ourselves naked and shake bells at each other saying shame, shame, shame. Because we totally ignored wrestling logic, which is if tag champions go into a non-title match, they're probably going to lose. 
Um, but I think you and I thought, how could Daniel Bryan lose? He was just champion, but we forgot. I don't think we quite understood what the hell was going on with the belts. Okay, well, that's fair. Sure, I, I, I go with that. Okay. So we, we, we can keep our clothes on while shaking bells at each other. <laughs> I got my bell stick handy, but my clothes are still on. Just that's, that's FYI. Fine. That's probably for the best, sure. Uh, yeah, so the Usos uh, are just, I don't I don't understand what they're doing here, but well, very inauspicious start to, to, to our picks here. Well, Darren, we can't go on with auspicious minds. <laughs> that's true. So, yeah, even the match that was supposed to be on the pre-show, along with that uh, non-title, uh, it's not up next. That The Tony Nese uh, Cruiserweight Championship match against Billy Sting will actually come later in the card. The second match, the first proper match of the show, is the women's Money in the Bank ladder match. I thought that was kind of interesting. Well, it makes sense. I mean, you 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 want to bookend the specialty matches because you get one for the women, one for the men. Same with the Royal Rumble. It, it makes sense in, in that you know in, in those terms. So the women's Money in the Bank ladder match. Just to remind uh, hashtag dear listeners of who was in the match, and it was Natalia, Dana Brooke, Naomi, who looked like a uh, bumblebee, uh, Bailey, Nikki Cross. <laughs> Carmella, Ember Moon, and Mandy Rose. Bumblebee, not the Transformer, but an actual Bumblebee. An actual Bumblebee. I mean, it was adorable. Sure. I don't know what it was supposed to be, uh, which is fine. It could just be a fashion choice. I liked it. Actually, that was kind of a cool look for her. Um, yeah. I liked it. As a fashion choice, it was pretty It was pretty neat. It definitely stood out. Yeah. So, yeah, Naomi the half a bee. A la dee dee, a one, two, three, Naomi the half a bee. <laughs> For you Monty Python fans out there. All right, um, so what do you think about this match? Ah, uh, it's a match. It's a match. Uh, did, you en- wow. did you enjoy the match? I, uh, I thought the first half, uh, if I had to break it up in a first half, second half, I thought the second half was stronger than the first half. Um, Carmella... Carmella getting injured was very confusing. Uh, if you watch that, uh, obviously they wanted to make it look like Carmella was legit injured, but of course you know she's going to come back, and she does come back. But like when Mandy and, Rose, and it doesn't matter, and it doesn't matter, it doesn't matter. But but yeah, Mandy Rose uh, hits Carmella with the the ladder in the knee, and uh, <laughs> it, it's very confusing because. Mandy Rose keeps trying to like grab Carmella to attack her, but Carmella's like, "No, stop! No, stop! For real, stop!" It's, it's, it's very like, uh, "What's happening? What's happening?" Because the actual hit that caused the quote-unquote injury looks so legitimate that I was like, "That could have actually hurt her knee." So for a second there, I was thinking like, "Maybe she is hurt," but the, it's always it's always the way they actually deal with the injury as far as commentary goes. That lets you know if someone's hurt or not. And also, if Carmella wanted to uh, wanted us to think that she was not going to come back, she should have looked very upset that she was having to leave the match because medical personnel was insisting that she did. Uh, there was none of that. It was just kind of like, oh, well, she's gone, and oh, well, you know, good, 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 good job, Carmella, good job. Oh, the fans appreciate you, whatever. So you know she's coming back, and of course she does, so. Yeah, I will say another one of the spots that I was very worried about, and it was very weak, and it was very early, was Nikki Cross going for the Terry Funk, which is putting the ladder over your head and then spinning. Yes, yes. Single one of those impacts with the ladder, the first go around, 
looked totally contrived and phony and like, oh, it hit my hand. I'm going to act like it knocked my face off. Mandy Rose looked the worst. Luckily, luckily, Bailey realized this looks horrible and kind of like made Nikki kind of move in a way that gave her some momentum and she took the hit. So hats off to Bailey. I think that Naomi's second hit was the one that I was like, okay, saved it, saved it. Sure, sure. Yeah, some of the vets obviously stepped in. They were like, this looks terrible. <laughs> so they had, to, they had to make it look a little better. So well done there. But no, Mandy Rose, like, basically headbutts the ladder herself and falls over. And I think you see some fans kind of laugh because it looks pretty bad. Um. <laughs> uh, the the Ember Moon spot, the, uh, the, the uh, total eclipse or just eclipse that she does uh, yeah. onto Natalia from the ladder on the outside, that will was great. It got a holy shit chant, I believe. Um, it did. I that. I mean, I was happy about that. Normally, if they go, if they like have a holy shit moment that is that they feel like it's bigger than I feel it is, I kind of go, Ugh, no, and I <laughs> and I like turn on it. But in this instance, I was like, oh, that was cool. Oh wow, they think it was even cooler than I think. It actually brought my excitement level up a little bit, so that was cool. Sure, sure. That move uh, can be potentially dangerous. We saw Billy Kay get escorted away uh, during an NXT match against Ember Moon because she kind of she took it the wrong way uh, physically, maybe maybe emotionally. I don't know, um, <laughs> but uh, physically for sure, like she was escorted away, like like in tears. Like I don't I don't know what she did, but obviously she turned out okay. This was like a year ago, obviously. Billy Kay's long been in WWE uh, for a while. Um, so we know that move can go wrong, but luckily someone like Natalia took the took the blow, and she she's a pro. She knows how to handle something like that, so she fell the right way. Um, I got really excited when Sonya Deville came out to help Mandy Rose. Sure. Um, you know, Mandy Rose was actually my pick to win this match, and I thought for sure when... Um, Sonya Deville came out that it was that it was looking like a cheat to win scenario for Mandy Rose. Sure, um, it was crazy though. It was really funny. Like Mandy Rose was, man, she was like a limp noodle. Like she made Sonya Deville carry that weight, uh, as the Beatles would say. And <laughs> thank you. And yeah, man, she she had uh, she had her up on her shoulders. Then she had her kind of in a piggyback. Uh, but I still thought that, I mean, she was a grasp away from getting the uh, Money in the Bank briefcase, uh, which I hated how many times Michael Cole said, the Money in the Bank briefcase with a contract inside. Sure. You don't have to say that. Like, you can say that when you when you introduce the match. But, like, he said it every single time, like, we were going to forget or, like, the symbolic nature of the briefcase wasn't enough or, you know, why was he saying it over and over? Well, he doesn't want fans who are new to WWE and just tuning in, in the middle of money in the bank or the beginning, I should say, uh, thinking that you just get a really nice commemorative WWE money in the bank pay-per-view briefcase. If you win the match, um, no, these, these eight professional fighters have to fight for it. (laughs) But you, WWE members of the WWE universe, you can go buy one. Sure, at, sure. At like one hundred and fifty dollars at the uh, 
the whatever the merch stand. People will go through extreme lengths to uh, avoid paying one fifty for something, Darren. So that's just the way it is. Uh, but no, I, Boy, I don't I know it. <laughs> but no, it, it's 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 great that Sonya Deville uh, shows up and helps that many rows. You immediately hear either Michael Cole or maybe Corey Graves say like, "Well, it's no disqualification." But when that happens, you immediately think, well, then why did Sonya Deville wait until now to intervene? She should have jumped in and sort of punching women immediately because there is no DQ. But uh, at least Sonya Deville jumps in. It's, it's shades of Carmella, her win, with James Ellsworth helping out, uh, much to the chagrin of uh, WWE Universe. Uh, but, uh, but no, she comes to the top of the ladder with the help of Sonya Deville. Mandy Rose does anyway. And she is met by Bailey, who all of a sudden got this third or fourth wind and Bailey just kind of like shoves her off the ladder and grabs the briefcase and that's it and then for the next 20 minutes we have Bailey celebrating in the audience that went on forever yeah there were a lot of things that went on forever in the, on this night and and that was definitely one of them I was totally so I was shocked I was shocked that Bailey won this match and my shock will not end uh, it will uh, about Bailey, even my, my shock about Bailey will continue later in this show. Well, she but, definitely. Uh, I was no, no. I, I understand completely. She definitely needed that win, though, because I mean, she's been drowning for a while as far as like people caring but, about Bailey. But she was just the first WWE Tag Team Champion with Sasha Banks. But it's almost like a see Sasha. That would have been you if you stayed. So Bailey gets it all. So and and to me, that's exactly what happened here. Which is like, well, that was the plan. It was gonna be you, but no, we'll do it to Bailey. It's fine. She stayed. This is how we honor. This is how we honor Bailey because she stayed, and she's happy. Thank you. Yeah. <laughs> kind of seems that way to me. Anyway, man, I, I, don't you love a uh, a billion dollar company run by eight year olds? <laughs> no. Next up, the United States Championship was on the line as champion Samoan Joseph took on. The luchador from San Diego, Raymond Mysterious. And uh, this was... Uh, was It was better than the WrestleMania match. But it these guys could have a good match if they would be allowed to. Um, the only doubt about that lies in the fact that Ray Mysterio destroyed Joe's face with his ass. Yes. Uh, for a second there, because Joe throws Ray Mysterio on the outside apron over the top rope, and then Ray's obviously standing, comes over the top rope to clock Samoa Joe with, uh, with a kick, which I thought that's what busted open Joe. What's not, I went back and watched it, 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 that lands squarely on the top of his head. It's when he pole vaults himself over the top rope, landing on Joe's head. Obviously, the momentum of his, like you said, basically his ass rubbed his nose in the opposite direction and looked like it broke it. He was just gushing blood. Oh, it absolutely broke his nose. Like, uh, he lands on his chest. Um, first of all, someone as light as Rey Mysterio landing on the bulk, the bulky barrel chest of Samoa Joe, not going to hurt anyway. Plus, Mysterio's feet both firmly hit the mat. Also, breaking some of that impact but then his feet come up his ass comes up and all of his weight and i don't care how light he might be dropping all of that and the all that weight in the form of a man directly on joe's nose 
it, it was like Gallagher smashing a watermelon. <laughs> sure, uh, sure. Because when Samoa Joe came up from that, I was like, yikes. I was like, that is broken. Before I saw any blood, I was like, "That's broken. It's broken. Totally well, broken." Well, you were totally right about it. Then it was—I mean, it's like wrestling a—it's like wrestling a two hundred pound child. I mean, like it's—it's it's a two hundred pound kid is very heavy. Ask any mall Santa Claus about that, <laughs> uh, right? But uh, hey, I was that kid once. Anyway, um, <laughs> but no, yeah, he—he he comes over the top rope and and just gets the roll up on Joe, kind of a surprise finish. Then it cuts to Joe looking on astonished at Rey Mysterio and how he just lost the belt to him, and his nose is just dripping blood. Well, and, and his eyes bloodshot, too. Yeah. Yeah. It was very... Everything about the ending was weird. First of all, what are they doing with Dominic? Why is Dominic Mysterio around so much? Yeah, so the, the, that's Rey Mysterio's son, who's involved in this angle. Apparently Samoa Joe only attacks you if you have family to attack. AJ! Um, but uh, I don't know why you think you need that. Shouldn't the U.S. title be enough? But you especially don't need to bring in the family element if your next match also has the family element, which is Shane McMahon and Miz, and Shane just beat up on the Miz's father. So it's like, is that, is that what this one writer thinks? Oh, uh, is any of your family around? Okay, we'll bring them in, and they'll get beaten up by the heel, and, uh, okay, done. Well, When's was, lunch? Uh, yeah, yeah. <laughs> well, there was the, the, fam the unnecessary family element. Then there was the broken nose, and you gotta... You, so, anytime you see something like a broken nose, you either go, okay, Samoa Joe is the consummate professional, or you start looking for a receipt. And the way he kind of threw Mysterio around after the loss... Looked like maybe it was a receipt. Sure. I don't know. But then the ending itself, the actual pin that gave Mysterio the win and the championship, that was totally botched or or like a work botch. Yes. I don't know. It, was like a, it wasn't even a one count. It was like a half of a one. And then Joe is up, but like he's pulling Mysterio down. I, it, it was super there's five different ways in which the ending of this match made me go what am i looking at right now the, apparently that's a new finish for wwe have you noticed that because this is not the first yeah. time this has happened to samoa joe so this is a new thing where you lose but oh the ref just didn't see it you know what i mean i don't understand I why this is a new way to finish matches the bad way to finish matches there should be a decisive winner this is why darren darren this is why you bring back the good old-fashioned time limit. Watching a lot of old WCW and WWF like I have been lately, so many matches end with a draw because it gets to the time limit. That way, no one loses. No one loses. Everyone saves face. But now, it's the Wild West. They don't care anymore. So, yeah, that's a weird element. You know, Ray's kid is a weird element because he's two times as tall as his father is. So, you're like, wait, who's the father? Um... <laughs> For real. No, that, that's that's another thing we didn't even talk about. Sure, sure. Well, we can talk about this match forever, even though we've talked more about the match than the match is actually long. So we're, we're going to move on and just say that Rey Mysterio is your new United States champion. Yeah. And Joe comes out the next night demanding that he Mysterio relinquish the belt because Mysterio is now being is now injured. But is that a work or is that a shoot? Nah. Jesus, give me a break. Here. What's happening? What's happening? 
So, like you said, the, the next match, which has a family element to it, is The Miz versus Shane McMahon. All about Shane disrespecting George, Miss, uh, the George or whatever. George Miz or whatever his name is. Oh, my God. Um, <laughs> it's a steel cage match. And I, will, I, I have to admit I was on the phone. I was on the phone for the duration of this match. <laughs> I watched it. But I had my television on mute. So I saw everything. But um, I know that sometimes we give shit to the commentators. I don't like wrestling without commentary. Even if it's it's bad commentary like Ian Riccoboni in ROH. uh, Ooh, take that, Riccoboni. I... (laughs) um, Even if it's bad, I, I think you gotta have it because... Watching wrestling on mute is like, it's weird. You, you need all your senses. You really do need all your senses for wrestling. It'd be like listening to wrestling, but not watching it. Yeah. It's like. Sure. No, that's like the first time I ever saw a live event. And then it's like the bell rings, ding, ding, ding. And that's it. You just hear, you hear like impact sometimes. You, you don't. Sure. You don't hear anyone, oh, oh, hellacious DDT. Oh, well, you know, blah, blah, blah. You know, it's just quiet. Weird. Yeah. It's strange. So the Miz and Shane McMahon on mute while I was on the telephone uh, was uh, was underwhelming. Um, and what, what did you think? Did, did you pay much attention to it? It was a pretty average match, I guess. It wasn't bad. It wasn't great. Nothing to write home about. Uh, so I'm going to save some stamps there because not writing home oh, about sure. it. Uh, yeah. Okay. Um, the ending literally... Shane McMahon slips through uh, the Miz's fingers. I think that was an interesting way to end the match where Shane's on the outside of the cage, you know, on the very top, Miz on the inside, and he's trying to stop Shane from, from leaving, but Shane slips through his shirt uh, to <laughs> to escape the cage, uh, which is very dangerous, by the way, because he, he may have braced himself for the last second, but I don't think he really had a chance to. Because his arms were caught up in his shirt, so he just fell straight down, basically, and kind of hoped for the best. But um, I, I just want to uh, go back and uh, and Foley, not Mick Foley. I mean, add sound effects to. I want to. I want to add the goofy falling noise to every time Shane McMahon falls off of something. <laughs> well, I can't wait to watch that sizzle reel. Oh man. Um, the Shane McMahon Goofy Sizzle Reel. Um, <laughs> goofy with a capital G. Uh, proper noun Goofy. Uh, Shane McMahon wins the match. We both picked The Miz to win. So here again, we are wrong. Um, if the match, if I noticed anything from the match that I really thought was a good thing, it was that it was the actual fight was fought the way steel cage matches used to be. They were desperately trying to get out of the cage, which is how you win a cage match. Instead of it just being like, well, we're going to fight, and there is a cage around us, it was just sort of like, you know, even though The Miz is supposed to be a babyface right now, he's just so historically a heel that it's kind of like a heel versus a heel, and they're both chicken shit, so they more than they want to win a fight, they want to win the match. Sure. And if it just means running away and climbing out of the ring, then that's what they're going to go for. The thing I dislike the most about the match is that they're continuing to push Shane now, this new Shane, 
this era of Shane, they're pushing. He is just another wrestler. Like he's, he's just as legitimate of a talent as the Miz or as AJ Styles or Braun Strowman or Roman Reigns. And I'm like, what? Well, Darren, like, okay, you could put Shane McMahon in a match occasionally, but it needs to be super gimmicky because he's not, not air quotes a wrestler. Darren, he won the the tournament to be best That's in the world. He is best in the world. He's also fighting Roman Reigns. He's fighting. I know. He's fighting I Roman know. Reigns at uh, at the next Saudi Arabia show. I'm, I'm sorry, Jenna show. I know, this is my point. I, I, this is my frustration and my anger. Darren, you're not wrong. <laughs> I, I don't I, think anyone wants to see Shane McMahon wrestle this much or at all. I am, in, I am insane with anger. Okay, fair enough. Let's move on. The match that was originally supposed to be on the pre-show is now in the middle of the proper show. It is the Cruiserweight Championship of the World. The, uh, the, the prestigious title atop 205 Live. Currently held by the Brick Shit House Tony Nice, and he will take on Arya Davari, better known as Billy Sting. I typically get his name wrong. Who? Tony Nice. Okay. I sometimes refer to him as Tony Nephew. <laughs> yes. Yeah. Very nice. Thank you. Well, I think WWE uh, frequently gets. Uh, Sean Davari's name wrong, and they just call him Davari. And oh boy, I'm beating that dead horse. This was hold on, let me let me let me let me ponder it for a second. This was the best match of the night. Then I don't mean it, I don't mean simply because it had the most moves, I don't mean because it was the 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 uh, had the fastest pace it was the best match all around it looked like a fight it did have a fast pace there were an inordinate a num uh, number of moves performed but it didn't look like a dance it did not look like a dance it did not look choreographed there there was just the right amount of flippies and kickies uh there was some solid brawling um, both of them looked like they were fighting for their lives, fighting for that belt, scraping tooth and nail. Uh, two thumbs up for me. Um, we both picked Tony Nese to win, and he did. But I, regardless of pick, I was super happy with this match. Sure. I mean, it's, again, two cruiserweights typically put on a like good match. You know what I mean? Like At worst, it's I, a good match. And this, this falls somewhere between good and great. So I, I would definitely say you're right about that. Yeah, no, they they all the, these two hundred five live matches that they put onto the pay per views with everything else. Yes, they are good just because the, these wrestlers are good. This one was just something special, uh, and I know I give Arya Davari a real unfair shake. It's not his fault uh, that I call him Billy Sting. It's I'm an asshole, but uh, <laughs> let let his name have no bearing on his wrestling ability because he he, he and Tony Nice need to split the biggest portion of the, the, the bonus purse on this night. However, if, the, if Vince McMahon's handing out extra envelopes with extra cash in it, uh, Nice and Davari need, need to be taking the, the, the biggest ones home because they, they wrestled their asses off. And up next, Becky Lynch, who is the man.
and does hold both the Raw Women's Championship and the SmackDown Live Women's Championship, is set to take on Lacey Evans in defense of her Raw Women's title. It's the beginning of what became the Becky Lynch Hour. I felt like I felt like she was on on screen way too long. I mean, I guess this whole thing was put together fairly well. Uh, the execution made sense, but there were some missteps. We'll, we'll, we'll dissect as we get in. But Lacey Evans coming for that Raw Women's Championship, and I like this match a lot. This was the Lacey Evans that we saw during the May Young Classic. This is Lacey yeah. Evans that we saw at those NXT House shows. This was a very strong showing for Lacey Evans, and I hope. I hope this puts some uh, some negative criticism as far as her wrestling ability goes uh, to rest because she she is a she is a good wrestler. Yes, regardless of her as a person, regardless of what she may or may have not done on the indie scene, regardless of how anybody feels about her as a character or what the character WWE has given her. All that aside, as a wrestler, she proved herself in this match. I would put this performance by Lacey Evans up there, right up there with anybody, with Natalia's very best matches, with Naomi's best matches. Uh, this is a an excellent showing. It looked like she was, again, sort of like Nice and Davari. Lacey Evans looked like she was fighting for a championship. Looked like she wanted to, to achieve a goal of winning a championship. And how do you do that? Uh, how, do you, how, how do you become the man? You beat the man. And that's what Lacey Evans looked like she was really trying to do. She doesn't do it. Right. Of course, Becky Lynch wins and retains the Raw Women's Championship. If there was one misstep in the actual match, I would say that Lacey Evans taps way too fast uh, to the disarm her. Yeah, well, I mean, I, other than that, I, I see what you mean when you say that. But other than that, this really was just such an excellent showing. Now, Becky is, you know, she's confident. She's won. She's retained her raw belt. She's going to go to the back. And then Charlotte Flair's music hits, and Becky realizes she's not going to get to go to the back and put her feet up and have a lemonade and, you know, maybe rest her eyes and rest her muscles and take an ibuprofen to help the swelling go down, and maybe New Japan will give her an ice pack to put on the back of her neck. <laughs> oh, she's going to have to fight Charlotte Flair here and now, by God. Um here and now I promise to love faithfully and here and now Charlotte Flair promises to uh, dismantle Becky Lynch and boy does Charlotte seem proud of herself it's some really good character work from Charlotte right here like she does a really good job of goading Becky on and trying to get her in the ring and like chanting her name with the crowd and stuff like that to get her to come in the ring like it's that's really really well done uh, the match itself is good but I actually like the Lacey Evans match better than the Charlotte match it was. Yeah, the Lacey Evans-Becky Lynch match was superior to the Charlotte Flair-Becky Lynch. And maybe it's just because Lacey was definitely making the most of this opportunity and it was the first time we've seen it, whereas we've seen Becky and Charlotte over and over. That, that's exactly the criticism I, I would say about the match. Is we've seen this a million times. We're not going to see anything new at this point. But Charlotte Flair overwhelms Becky Lynch and actually does take that SmackDown Women's Championship from Becky Lynch. So Becky, Becky two belts, no more. Um, in fact, Lacey Evans actually helped Charlotte get the win, though, in this case. So it's not a clean win over Becky. And when you mentioned the Becky Lynch hour, and you mentioned it going on and on, and you mentioned it being well executed, I thought the fact that Lacey Evans comes back out 
because obviously she's not satisfied sure. with having lost her opportunity. So she's going to come back out to help take out her aggression on Becky Lynch, which is going to either deliberately or inadvertently, it doesn't matter, help Charlotte Flair. So that's cool. So now you've got, quote-unquote, McMahon's twins, <laughs> both working on Becky Lynch, working over Becky Lynch, to the point that Charlotte wins. Uh, and so then, of course, you've got a now um, halfway defeated Becky Lynch holding on to one championship, the Raw championship, and Charlotte with the newly won SmackDown championship. And both Charlotte and Lacey Evans are, are, are skulking around a prone Becky Lynch. Well, who comes to her aid? Bailey. Let's even the odds. Bailey, who won the women's Money in the Bank ladder match earlier, comes out to help Becky Lynch. And not only help Becky Lynch, but then she cashes in her Money in the Bank that she just won. And now it's Bailey versus Charlotte. And now Charlotte, ha ha, jokes on you, bitch. The tables have turned. <laughs> now you don't get to rest. Now your worn out ass has to fight uh, to, to, to trying to defend the SmackDown Women's Championship. Sure. I uh, I mean, this is kind of obvious that it would happen as what's happened. Even, even the crowd's chanting for Bailey to come out and help Becky Lynch, even though there's no reason why. There's not really an established friendship for the most part at this point between Becky and Bailey. It's not, just, a, not at all. She's next in line, so she should help Becky Lynch. It's like, well, no. Old cocky Miss Lynch can uh, can fend for herself uh, all on her own because that's all she needs, apparently. Uh, so how about no one helps her and she just gets her ass kicked by two women out there? Should have been what every woman in the backstage area thought, but instead Bailey's like, no, this is a wrong. I must succeed. I must help. I must succeed. Um, to me, though, the, the better ending is Becky does defeat Charlotte, and then both the women beat up on Becky as they did. Bailey comes out to help Becky, but then cashes it in because why not? Because that's what you do, and still seizes opportunity. And then maybe on the next Raw or SmackDown, she chooses which belt she actually wants from Becky. That way, Becky still loses a belt, but also she loses because the third time. She couldn't hold on to the belt. Kind of what we said going into this. But we we, we, oh, we did man. say we got this wrong because she does lose to Charlotte. But at the same time, we got it kind of right because we said barring anyone cashing in the night of Money in the Bank. So we were kind of in the ballpark. But we'll, we'll take a loss in the Charlotte thing. Yeah, and I like that idea a lot, actually. I really like the idea that Becky, who was already defying the odds to win two in a row now has to fight three in a row. Yeah, that would have been better for me. That would have been a great story, and it would have kept us from having to now put yet another tally mark on Charlotte's... Precisely, uh, yes. I think like, I, I think a PWI you know, wrestling almanac, we have to add this little you know Charlotte Flair again on oh, the yeah. fucking list. <laughs> there's, be, there's totally going to be an asterisk yeah. next to that. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Shorter run than uh, Yokozuna. Uh, when Yokozuna beat uh, Bret Hart. And then Hogan came out and said, nope, leg drop, pin. But I will say this. Um, I w was 100% on board for the Becky Lynch hour. Uh, this was great. Wait, this is where Bailey celebrates in the crowd for way too long. Not earlier. I'm sorry about that, folks. I got that, I got that wrong. This is where Bailey... 
you get about 15 minutes of Bailey in the crowd dancing around. And, and, and good for her. And who knows if she drops this belt, if she'll ever see it again at this point. Uh, or it's going to be a long time. But I think she knows that. She's kind of like, I'm going to soak this one in. So uh. Next up, we see uh, Elias attack Roman Reigns backstage by hitting him over the head with a guitar. Uh, imagine that. And... Um, <laughs> And after he smashes that guitar, of course, he goes to the ring anyway, because now I guess Elias believes he doesn't have to wrestle, but he does have to play a quote-unquote concert. <laughs> so they give him an electric guitar, um, and then he starts playing that. And then, of course, Roman Reigns comes out anyway. <sighs> Again, they have to just, like, absolutely pour it on. Um, I... You just you're, you're pouring too much on this is too much gravy. Stop with the gravy uh, to make Roman Reigns look like a baby face. If if I had any criticisms of the show as a whole, it would be that this felt more like an even longer episode of Raw because uh, this Elias segment, which there's kind of the backstage segment because he whacks Roman over the back of the head with a guitar. Also, the uh, the backstage attack with Sami Zayn. Braun Strowman trying to get involved with the uh, mon- with the men's Money in the Bank ladder match. It-, it was starting to feel a little bit like Raw to me. Yeah, Roman Reigns defeats Elias, and I can't say that that that's a surprise at all. Um, I know that Roman Reigns is not exactly in the Universal title scene or the WWE Championship scene, but unless he's fighting for one of those belts and maybe losing that match, I still feel like he is in a place right now where he's not just going to lose matches. He's not going to job, and he's certainly not going to job to Elias. So even having this match is just uh, just just to kill time. Sure, just, all- just to have them on the show, I guess. Uh. Yeah, just to have them appear, but that's not what you do on pay-per-views. That, at no company in any era runs matches like that. Not with the not with the regularity that they're doing it. Um just a mistake all around. I, I could care less about this match. We we both picked Reigns to win because again, it's just a no brainer. How you gonna, how the hell are you gonna put Elias over Roman Reigns right now? On a PPV slash network exclusive. A N E. So speaking of the two belts that Roman Reigns is not currently seeking the Universal title and the WWE title, those are our last two singles matches for the evening. Next up, following Reigns' defeat of Elias, we have the Universal Champion Seth Rollins defending against AJ Styles, who has just made his transition to Raw, and now AJ's got his sights set on the Fruit Roll-Up belt, having held the WWE Championship over on SmackDown multiple times in the, uh, well, I get for lack of a better word, the AJ Styles era when he was the face that ran the place. Yeah, it's a really good match because they're both really good wrestlers. I don't like the fact that they decided to make Seth Rollins like this undefeatable wrestler all of a sudden. Like he he beat Shinsuke and it was kind of like, you know, he he likes to tout that he is the greatest wrestler in the world, which you're not even, you're not even the conversation, pal. I hate to say it. You're great. But AJ Styles is so much better than you are, Seth Rollins. Uh, but, um, you know, beating Shinsuke Nakamura, that already irritates me. He obviously just beat Brock Lesnar. 
to me, I think, I, I don't know, I kind of feel like Seth Rollins holds on to that belt until Roman Reigns comes for it uh, or something along <laughs> those lines. Um, but this, like I said, this is a good match because it's going to be, but Seth Rollins goes over on AJ, which you know is going to happen. It's because Seth Rollins just got the belt. He's not going to drop it this soon. Uh, so there's that. But I mean, I guess the only cool thing about this match is it doesn't involve someone like Lesnar or Reigns, but it does involve AJ Styles, who just had the WWE title for over a year. So it's kind of like more in the same, which is what I like about the next match. But do you have any more thoughts on this match, Darren? Not really. <laughs> yeah, um, there's not a lot to say I, about it besides it's 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 yeah. the match it's it's the match that we thought we'd see. Yeah, but yeah, it is. I wanted it to be the match I wish I could see though, because at a glance, and I know I do this, I do this, I do this unfair comparison, but at a glance, you see Rollins and Styles in there, and you think, what could be? What could be? Omega Okada is what Rollins Styles could be, and it never will be. No. So there's that. Secondly, I got totally distracted when you said Rollins is going to hold on to it until Reigns comes for it. Because there's nothing I want to see less than two guys who are the exact same size with long, dark hair and beards wearing black bodysuits. <laughs> right, but it's... They're going to doink in the ring as, like, hipster SWAT team, and, like, I don't need that. No, I understand that, but it's a good way to bring Seth Rollins back into the heel side, which I think is kind of where everyone wants to see Rollins come back to. So that, that that's kind of the way you do the switcheroo is make, you know, Rollins bad guy again. But uh, so we'll move on to the next match, uh, Kofi versus Kevin Owens, which is a very good match. I quite enjoyed it. And again, it's two people who aren't typically in this WWE title picture. And look at this. The WWE title, higher booking on the pay-per-view than the Universal title. Universal title defended in the middle of the show for the most part here. Kind of weird. Do you know why I don't care about that? Why don't you care about that, Darren? Because it's only that way so that WWE can thank themselves and pat themselves on the back. Because since Rollins has the fruit roll-up belt and not Brock Lesnar, they don't feel like they have to put Lesnar on last in order to bring the UFC and the TMZ and the CNN fans over. <laughs> and and, they, and the, the, the like double whammy is they do put Kofi on because they're awfully proud of the fact that they've put the belt on Kofi. And they're sort of going, ah, look, and now Kofi, somehow Kofi Kingston is legitimizing this belt, which is a joke. Um, like, so normally I would like, if, if this were Daniel Bryan or AJ Styles defending the WWE Championship, and it was uh, Lesnar defending the Universal Championship, and then the WWE were on later, then that would mean something. But all it is is, in their minds, they've weakened the Universal belt by taking it off of Lesnar, and they've strengthened the WWE belt by putting it on Kofi. And I just say that, first of all, that's wrong. 
And second of all, it's lame. So I'm just I'm really disgusted. Okay, fair. I'm disgusted with these. I'm disgusted with these two belts. Fair enough. I, I'm truly disgusted. No, 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 no. Hey, hey, calm down, calm down, you. Um, there, there, there are a couple things I'll say about Kofi's run. One, the audience seemed kind of cool. Like they, they've kind of cooled on the whole Kofi thing because he, he, he wins this match. We'll go ahead and say that. That's not a shocker. We both picked that. He goes over and Kevin Owens cleanly too. I might add. And um, the, the audience doesn't really pop for Kofi. It's just kind of like, oh, okay, yeah, good match. You know, also, how can how can SmackDown viewership be so low if all the WWE Universe wanted was Kofi Kingston as, as champion? And they got that, so where are they? You know what I mean? Like, that's also kind of like a, what? wait a minute. So that's, that's all they want. Right. But also, it's bad. This whole Kofi situation probably taught Vince McMahon a lesson, which is now you know how to manipulate your universe, how to manipulate your fan base, because now you see how to, quote, mistreat someone who deserves a shot. So you actually stick at someone in that position who you actually want to be your champion. You just mistreat him the same way, like, you know, Daniel Bryan is overlooked or Kofi Kingston's overlooked. And then all the fans get behind that person, but ha ha, that's who I wanted to be champion all along anyway. So to me, that that's kind of uh, it's kind of you're showing you're showing Vince how to manipulate you. You know what I mean? To to get what he wants by making everyone think that they're getting what they want, but really it's what he wanted. So. Yeah, that's too much reverse psychology. But I think it's accurate. Uh, Professional wrestling has what every fucking business wishes they had, which is instant. Real-time feedback. Anytime anything happens, you get a fan reaction to everything that's said. Every punch, every kick, every body slam. How can you make so many wrong decisions in your business when you have this kind of fan feedback? I do not know. Okay, well. If I could answer that, then we'd probably never complain about WWE. I know, the, the show would be boring. (laughs) <laughs> hush you fans who made some sort of like well the show is boring joke i'll find you i'll find you and strip you naked and then ring a bell at you and say shame 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 well now i know what your favorite episode of game of thrones was <laughs> there if i wanted to see uh nude females like there's many other episodes to choose from right there i mean that show that show's known for it oh well i mean i didn't necessarily mean the the nudity part i thought i thought that's what you're getting at you're just into shaming like you some sort of like evil sheriff or lawmaker hey man the the sparrows they had it right i think they should have won the iron throne eventually is that what they were called the the sparrow or something like that yeah something like that and uh the the iron fist was was the boy right uh sure the guy who went on to play Iron Fist on Netflix. Oh, oh, no, no, he's the, he was like the, 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 the cousin, right? Or something like that. He was the one that converted. Yeah, 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 I gotcha, I gotcha. Yeah, what was his name, Lancel or something? Sure, his name was Iron Fist, Danny Rand. Go on. <laughs> Danny Rand Lannister. <laughs> With those two world titles out of the way, we now have the main event of Money in the Bank 2019, and that is a men's Money in the Bank ladder match. Uh, it was set to be 
Ricochet, Drew McIntyre, Baron Corbin, Ali, Finn Balor, Andrade, Randy Orton, and Sami Zayn. But Sami Zayn, uh, <laughs> just to, more Robert Wool and Batman comparisons here. Uh, Triple H and, and agents find Sami Zayn hanging upside down, reminiscent of Michael Keaton hanging upside down as Batman in uh, the original Tim Burton Batman film. Uh, and that's uh, that's what it looked like. Uh, I was gonna say I was gonna say upside down like crucifixion. Like if I, I'd be surprised if they didn't get some angry phone calls about that. Um, really? Because even I thought that. I mean, I'm not someone's gonna be like, "Hey, what are you doing?" You know. But I'm sure someone who is like, "Hey, what are you doing?" probably called uh, standards and practices <laughs> and said, "Hey, what are you doing?" <laughs> and they were like, uh, "What?" About what? What are you? Excuse me, sir. And then they hung up after that. But uh, <laughs> yeah, so so Sami Zayn is out, and everyone thinks it's Braun Strowman, and then that's kind of cool, I guess, to make you think. You know, Braun Strowman's this you know giant, three hundred and fifty pound red herring, uh, and that he's he's not the one you find out that actually did that to Sami Zayn to take him out. So we'll get back to that at the end of the match. But we have a, a men's Money in the Bank match here with the folks that Darren mentioned. And it's it's standard fare as far as uh, mitzvah matches go, right? There's some cool stuff. Yeah, Andrade hits uh, Finn Balor with that, I think it's a sunset flip off of the top of the ladder onto the ladder that's stretched between the middle rope and the ladder they're currently on, right onto it. And just it just shatters poor Finn Balor. And every time Finn Balor gets hurt, you see every laceration because, again, he is 3% body fat. Yeah, and he has very fair complexion. That doesn't help. So you you do see all the ooh, all the gory details. He's just covered in in cuts and pink abrasions and uh but I I really was impressed by that move. Uh it, it Andrade certainly didn't look like he was injury free from that uh collision himself cuz he had to do a sunset flip over the top of a what 12 foot ladder from the other side and basically land on his feet she he actually yeah i think holding finn broke like braced his fall so like it was all finn balor coming down uh from the ladder that oh it's painful it was so painful but uh, i mean again andrade himself not unscathed um i really really thought ali not only would win this match, but should win this match. Instead, he almost did nothing. Speaking of which, Ricochet. You barely see Ricochet at all during this match, and we all thought, oh, this could be great with Ricochet. Not a whole lot. I mean, there, there is that really, speaking of Ali, that really great exchange between Ali and Ricochet for about three minutes. But after that, Ricochet just takes a powder for the entire match. Yeah, I, I, I dislike that. I dislike not being able to see Ricochet do all that he is capable of. Same with Ali. Um, McIntyre and Corbin did exactly what they should do, which is be big brutes. Um, and I think that they both fulfilled that role very well. Sure. I think I think we knew better than to think Baron Corbin had any way of winning this match. Uh, but Drew McIntyre, it seemed like there were glimpses that he might be going to win. The announcers really seemed very much behind McIntyre, uh, not necessarily in a cheerleader kind of way, but in a 
this makes the most sense kind of way. Right. And uh, that was interesting. That was interesting. But, I mean, in the end, it's all, it's all for naught, yes? Right. Uh, this might be the greatest example of using someone so little and then they come in and just win at the end. Brock Lesnar's the one beating up poor Sami Zayn and putting him up, you know, Michael Keaton Batman style. Tim Burton, Michael Keaton, Batman style. Um, and uh, comes out, literally just waltzes into the ring and uh, throws out Ali, climbs the ladder to zero opposition, it seemed, and and just grabs the briefcase. And it's like, oh, so anyone could have just shown up and gotten the briefcase. Uh, that's your ending. But Brock Lesnar proclaims that he's uh, he's back. Not only that, he is the money in the bank contract holder, which should not be legally binding at all. Because uh, he's not officially in the, the match, but whatever. Yeah, exactly. No disqualification does not cover not in the match. Sure. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. Yeah. Him, him showing up and, and wreaking havoc, totally legal in a no disqualification match. Him winning the match, not so much. Exactly. Exactly. Then I know no, no other way to put that. But we both failed to pick this. I, I went with Ali, and you went with McIntyre, but it doesn't matter. Your winner is Brock Lesnar. So, yes. Uh, we There's no way there's going to be a chase, because Brock Lesnar's not going to work that many dates. Well, he may yet, because apparently his MMA fighting days are over, officially. So he might be back with some uh, with a bit more of a full schedule. We'll say. Uh, time will tell on that one, but... That's that. That is that, ladies and gentlemen. That is hashtag Mitzvah Money the Bank 2019. Uh, like I said, it felt like a very long episode of Raw, but that doesn't mean there wasn't some good wrestling in there. Again, when, when things go wrong or they don't go the way that you'd hoped, you can't always blame the wrestlers. You should rarely blame the wrestlers unless they fall or, you know, break someone's nose. Uh, <laughs> but the question is, folks, did you enjoy Hashtag Mitba? Let us know. There are a lot of ways you can let us know. Find us on Twitter at Ref and Show Podcast. That's R-E-F-N-S-H-O-W-P-O-D-C-A-S-T. Find us on Facebook, like and share. We would appreciate that. Send us a Gmail if you wanna. The whole Ref and Show at gmail.com. T-H-E-W-H-O-L-E. R-E-F-N-S-H-O-W at gmail.com. Or you can find us on Instagram at The Whole Ref and Show. T-H-E-W-H-O-L-E-R-E-F-N-S-H-O-W. And uh, Instagram is a great place to hang out with the whole Ref and Show. I think anywhere with the whole Ref and Show would be a good time. You're going to learn about our three favorite movies. You're going to learn a little bit about wrestling. Just a little bit. 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 All right, folks. We thank you. We appreciate you for being here, listening to us. And we hope you enjoyed yourselves on the only wrestling podcast that calls it right down the middle. The whole ref and show. Until next week, I'm going to be Perry Smith. And I'm going to be the incredible badass that is Darren Beeson. And we are going to see you when we see you. See ya. Bye-bye.
Shame. 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 Shame.